You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, along with One Step Off the Grid and the Driven, the EV-focused website. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Oh, super duper. Thanks. Super duper. Super. Super duper. Super duper. Yes. Super duper. Yeah. Well, mate, yeah. Well, yeah, the sun, the sun's shining. Yeah, there's re- more records being broken. There was records last week that we talked about. There's more records this week. Super duper, I say. Super duper. Look, and we're on the last sunny day before the US poll. I mean, uh, we actually were recording this a day before the election, so I'm not too sure when we're going to yes. find out with the US poll, but it's been kind of fascinating. Uh, I don't think solar's actually figured much in the um, in, in the US election campaign, which is a little bit disappointing. But um, I think wind turbines no. got to mention um, because um, apparently they're bird killers and goodness knows what else and uh, and destroy everything. <laughs> but um, anyway, but look, we've got lots on today, Nigel, haven't we? Um, as you as you sort of in, um, inferred at the start of it, we've got records all over the shop and um, some interesting other little. Um, announcements and um and a recall for zero motorcycle which we'll go into in our special electric vehicle segment at the end of this podcast terrific and what else do we have for the listeners nigel (laughs) (laughs) well uh hailstorms oh my goodness Uh, i was uh i was um you know trawling around the social media websites uh, uh, over the last few days and, and looking for interesting stories and tidbits. And um, my goodness, um, the hailstones, particularly in southern Queensland, wreaked havoc. And um, so, you know, there was just, there was as much good news as I could find, actually. Um, there was just a lot of aerial footage of houses with holes in their roofs and solar panels with big dings in them um so yeah there was there was quite a lot of hailstorm uh, damage yeah. well, um, as a result of that big storm. i'm in northern new south wales and we didn't have we, we i think oh, a few days ago we had a lot of hail but it was pretty small hail and then i think it might have been saturday we had some big hail but we only got two <laughs> And they're about the size of a <laughs> just, just, just a couple of nuggets. Just a couple of but, but my God, were they really? big nuggets. I mean, they were like the size of really big eggs. In fact, bigger than that. It was like a Fabergé egg. And uh wow. not, not worth quite as much. And um, I just heard this great big thump outside and I came outside to find out what it was. And then another great big thump, and I looked down on the um on the patio and there was this huge hail egg there. And I went, oh my God, if we get wow. hit by that. But that was it. I didn't see any others. So, um, um, wow, you're lucky because the footage and there's, there's lots of, lots of links up online on YouTube. Um, the ABC has got a couple of really good ones where there's photos of, you know, enormous sort of almost grapefruit sized, um, um, hailstones and, you know, roofs are just utterly destroyed. So tell um, me what happens to a solar panel when it gets hit by a grapefruit sized, um, hail, hailstone. Oh, they they shatter, um, you know, like like the roof tiles around them, uh, like the tin roofs that get dented. 
um, you know, there, there comes a point. Solar panels, as a general rule, are very, very hail resistant. They, they're tested to um, uh, to withstand hail impacts. Um, but, you know, you get a big enough grapefruit-sized uh, piece of ice flying at it at terminal velocity, and it will smash mm. um, along with everything else around it. Mm. Um, so, so what, yeah. So what happens to those solar yeah. panels? Do they get covered by insurance um, if you've got sort of housing contents and all that sort of stuff, or do you need special insurance? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. No. Standard household insurance will cover your solar system. Um, there's uh, we've seen spates of this before, where you get hailstorms that go through, and uh, standard household coverage uh, will replace the system. Um, interestingly, I, I, I remember chatting with a a guy who 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 was in exactly this situation, and the the insurer sort of balked and went, "Well, mate, the system's a few years old. You know, I don't know if we're going to replace it like for like because we don't know how it was performing." Uh, we don't know whether it was still doing, you know, performing at 100% or whether it was, you know, uh, performing at less than 100%. So, you know, we're going to we're going to argue the toss. And he went, oh, no, don't don't worry about that, mate. Here's the data. Um, got got some got some good solar uh, solar monitoring on this system um, by a company we know and love well. And um, he presented the data and showed that the system was performing at um, 100% or better. And the insurer went, oh, okay, great. That's some data that we can use. We will pay the whole system replacement cost because you've got some data. So it's a really interesting case for monitoring, actually, in yeah. these kind of scenarios. Another, another, another great advertisement for, for monitoring, um, absolutely. And I, I still think that it should be compulsory. And I'm, I'm not too sure that your company would disagree with me. But <laughs> it, should be, it should be compulsory. Uh, that would be uh, okay. be okay wouldn't it be okay? Hey, look, um, I, okay. I, 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 I've, I've got to suggest there was at least one, a third hailstone of that size arrived in um, Byron Bay over the weekend because I just, I just remembered um, a friend of mine has also got a Tesla Model 3 and one landed on his bonnet and because it was aluminium, it made a great oh. big dent in it and we went out to dinner on on Saturday night. Um, oh, no, it was Friday. It was Friday. It's, that was Friday that hailstorm happened. We went out on dinner on Friday night, went to the Bangalore pub and the restaurant there, and he just spent the whole time just looking over the balcony, staring at us mournfully at the dented bonnet. And uh, <laughs> with, with a hailstone, with a hailstone grapefruit had landed smack bang in the middle of it. So I'm not too sure what happens there. Anyway. No. Well, yeah, hopefully his insurance will cover him. And I have to say, I did actually uh, catch a, uh, an edition of How It's Made, a favourite nerd show of mine. Um, and uh, there was a great, uh, I happened to stumble across one of How a Tesla's Made. And it showed the entire production process from start to finish, which was fascinating for someone like me. And, um, you know, getting that bonnet on, it's pretty easy. Whip it off, put a new one on, done. Fantastic. Five seconds, 10 seconds. Yeah, you know, a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> a reasonable amount of time. We'll get that into mate. Well, let's go through these records. Um, a couple of uh, a, a yes. couple of a couple of grid records. We had another period of thirty percent renewables in the main grid in the month of October. Now it didn't quite beat September, but September was the first time we had thirty percent over a whole month. So this is just kind of more about the changing shift. So you know, a lot of this was provided by um, solar and some large-scale wind, but you know, rooftop solar had a um, had a really big role to play in that. So that is fantastic, and also astounding. Well, it is. I can remember. I can remember us speculating about just getting to a few percent years ago. You know, Giles, and here we are. You know, thirty percent of energy 
energy, you know, just astounding result. Oh, look, it's fantastic. In fact, I'm just having a look there. Yeah, it was, um, so rooftop solar was about 8.5% and um, utility scale solar about just over 4%. So um, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And so we, shout, yeah. Shout out to the mums and dads with rooftop solar, oh, hey? Look, absolutely, yes. 1.285 gigawatt hours. That's twice as much as gas. And um, half as much as brown coal. Wow. Half as much as brown coal. So there wow. you go. All comes from the rooftops. Super um, and all installed by all our listeners here, or, um, yeah, which, is, which is fantastic. And look, the other record to note was also the West Australia market. Now, we're now getting greater insight on that thanks to a recent addition to the openem.org.au uh, website, which is a pretty damn useful websites because it's kind of free to access and there's a few of them around but anyway this one showed that nice. that for the first time it was 35 percent over in, in wa which is no mean feat because it's an isolated grid and for the first time mm. the first time wind and solar actually beat each of coal and gas so and that's just like a big big increase from the last year and certainly the um the years before that so that's fantastic as well and their rooftop solar provided 14 percent of the um no 16 percent i take it back 16 percent of the uh 16 percent. so the rest was coming from wind in in wa yeah they've only got a couple of um they've only got a couple of uh solar farms big solar farms in in wa um so they've got a a bucket load of rooftop solar compared to the size of the grid and so yeah 16.3 percent over the whole month don't you think? Um, and we do, of course, know that the, um, the sun only shines after the sun rises. So that's that's pretty handy. That's pretty handy. Look, uh, again, you know, I mean, it's just milestone after milestone after milestone um, over the last few months. And, and, and we're, you know, just heading into peak solar now, uh, the season. But to, to, you know, again, going back and saying, geez, who who could have imagined 10 years ago that here we would be in 2020 with solar out generating every other form in, in it well, renewables out generating every other form of energy in a grid network. I mean, it's just profoundly cool. Look, it is profoundly cool, but you know what I find really interesting is that if we'd been talking about this a couple of years ago, um, there would have been a whole lot of voices just sort of saying, let's stop it, let's wear it back, it's going to kill the grid and it's going to upset everything and the light's going to yep. go out. Now, look, you do get some of that in... Yep, it's going to be blackout. blackout. Absolutely. Be blackout. You, you do get some of that in, in, in some quarters, but it's really interesting to see how the grid operator and the networks and the retailers are viewing this now. Now, look, um, they don't all work in perfect synchronicity and they all do things which we find a bit bother, bothersome from time to time, but basically the fundamental attitude is okay everyone's going to go solar more people are going to go solar we're going to go and we're going to have more coming into the grid so let's get ready for it and let's embrace it and let's work out what we need to do to be able to accommodate that and that involves some decisions which sort of you know worry some people about you know the sort of controls and switching off and and the harnessing of vpps and things like that but all in the long term i mean ironing out those details uh it's fantastic to sort of see the you know the positive path towards distributed energy you know and a grid which is distributed um democratized and digital and will basically revolve around people's own equipment be it rooftop solar battery home batteries electric vehicles demand management monitoring and all the rest yep i love it i love it giles when you when you when you see 
these dreams that people had 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And I, I follow, I'm on a couple of solar pioneers websites um, and Facebook pages where they talk about, you know, this was the first lighthouse in Japan in 1966 that was solar powered. And, you know, we started from such humble beginnings and here we are now being the predominant generator in some parts of the grid. And, um, you know, it's just wonderful to see it come oh, to life. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's I mean, every day, life. every day, every day you could say now, um, unless it's absolutely really crowd, cloudy and rainy, every day solar is the dominant feature of the grid during the daytime. Because even if it's just eating up sort of 15, yeah. 20 or up to yeah. 30% or as we saw last couple of weeks ago in South Australia, 100% between rooftop solar and utility scale solar, rooftop solar, 80% of that grid, that one little grid, um, that <laughs> there's no doubt about it. It is the dominant player in that market. And whether it's even just 30%, it's still the dominant player in that market because it's influencing what happens to everything else, be it gas um, or coal or whatever, um, that's the that's the key role it's playing. So really, really interesting. And look, isn't yeah. there some sort of 50th? So, 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 so we rock. <laughs> and, and I have to say, to, to, we really, we really rock, man. And and to all the guys and girls out there running businesses, fighting the good fight, installing every day, climbing on roofs, climbing in roofs, organizing these big solar farms, doing the large scale stuff, doing the doing the warehouses, doing the you know uh, everything else that's out there. Um, you know you all rock as well. This is um, it's so cool mm, to see. It except for the guys going door to door, we'll, we'll make an exception for them. Um. <laughs> except for those. And, <laughs> <laughs> and ringing up uninvited over they, the phone, but anyway, suck. yeah. Hey, look, wasn't there some isn't there some sort of fiftieth anniversary? Yeah. You were talking about the solar pioneers, isn't there something this this year about the fiftieth anniversary of um, the solar industry in Australia or something like that? I can't quite remember now. Oh, there is actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is an event coming up um, very soon. Actually, I must get on and fill in some details there that. I was due to fill out, but yeah, the guys at GSES who are um, solar pioneers extraordinaire um, are getting together with a bunch of people. So I'll I'll find some information on that and and talk about it next week. Let's get um, with some let's, facts. Well, well, let's get some facts, but let's also get some guests and um, have them on the podcast and um, talk about what it was like fifty oh, years ago. Leave, leave it to me. Leave it to, leave it to leave it to me. I'll get a crusty old guy to talk about. Okay, it that'd be fantastic. Look forward to. That. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and there's and there's probably a few listeners out there been around for a bit too. So um, send in some uh, send in um, some reminiscences or whatever whatever you want. Um, now we can make a bit of a feature out of it. Um, that's mm. a really good idea. Mm. Nigel, you've got mm. some. Um, you want to report about the solar cutters interview? Tell me about that. Oh, look, <laughs> you know. Uh, I have to give a shout out to another podcast, which is um, which is called The Cutter Files. It's run by the Solar Cutters. They're an online group, a social group, but uh, they are all about promoting quality and good behaviour in the industry, and and you know helping each other. Um, they've got a growing little um, video podcast that they're running, and uh, they interviewed. It was one that actually was the most hilarious, revealing, excruciatingly honest interview i think i've ever seen ever uh and it was a it was of a small solar retailer it was the intriguing alan kemp who we've we've talked about before who is just an a most intriguing intriguing character and there's a two-part um uh interview that they do with him it was it was as glorious as it was awkward at times but 
but beneath all the um, awkwardness and hilarity and uh, revelations, what what he really talked about was the challenges that sol- solar installers face every day uh, on a on a day to day basis. You know, a warranty's really worth it. Um, have I have I exposed myself here? Um, is it inevitable that solar businesses may need to phoenix despite their best efforts because? you know, I've, I've I've done a good job, but, you know, this product has let me down and I've got no choice. I'm going to go bankrupt and, I, and I've got to exit and, and, and you know, protect my assets mm. or my mortgage or, or whatever it may be. So it was really quite interesting because he talked about it in a, in a, in a kind of, you know, he's a much smarter guy than he lets on. Uh, he he sure. plays the fool. I'm sure, I'm sure we take that as a compliment, Nigel. He would. I think he would. In his lemon yellow suit uh, that he had custom made, uh, logoed up to make uh, to make himself out look to be a solid professional, favorite. and you know he is it, it. It is just a fascinating insight, and 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 like I say, it's a little bit awkward at times and excruciating, but it's really worth sitting through both episodes because it highlights how challenging it is being a solar installer. So uh, uh, take a look, take a look at the cutter files, and that's got to be the longest promotion of a rival podcast that I've ever seen or heard or whatever but that's okay okay the oh, solar- i know i know exactly yeah, it's no. okay bless them we're all we're all no that's right yeah way. and look and, and solar cutters do a great job and uh the people behind the um the crap solar website which is um keeping everyone honest and highlighting um where we do go wrong but also celebrating some of the great things that the um or many of the great things that the solar industry does um yeah, mate. Um, some of our some of our businesses are also shifting towards one hundred percent renewables. And of course, if you're a business and and a um a moderate sized business, then you're going to do that pretty much with solar, just to uh, account for your daily needs and um, maybe throw a few batteries in the mix, just to sort of um get over the uh, get over the humps when the clouds come over all the early evenings. Well, indeed, and, and and again, I mean, it's great to see this stuff just happening, right? This is the sign that you you're really maturing, and it's becoming more and more um, mainstream. Uh, is when you get large corporates just starting to roll this out, and and so you know, a couple of announcements I picked up on this week. We we know Aldi have been rolling solar out on a lot of their stores for quite a while. Bunnings also have been rolling out a lot of their stores. In fact, you will even see in-store displays uh, uh, on, on, on TV screens in their new stores and even some of their older stores showing off the credentials of, of how much they've done and how much they've achieved and how much their stores generated. And uh, today, Officeworks also came out and committed to 100% renewables. Um, so we've now got three majors, uh, Aldi, Bunnings and Officeworks, all committing to 100% renewables, um, you know, and using this, you know, what, what in the case of Bunnings, for example, what, you, what, what we know is that, you know, they've done pilots, they've done tests, they've done everything else, and they're continuing. And so what that tells you is that there's a business case for this. There's, there's businesses out there who see that it makes sense to whack solar on the roof uh, and to commit to, you know, broader renewables targets. So, you know, again, um, just more examples of good solar news where, where businesses are saying, hey, this just makes sense. Let's go. Hang on. Just hit the mute button again. Um, you know what the interesting thing? <laughs> oh, excellent. Dad will be so, Dad will be so happy. He, he, he kept saying, 
you're going to have to teach Charles how to use that. Well, you know, anyway. But what, what I was going to say, um, what I was going to say, what was I going to say? Um, the interesting thing about the Bunnings and Office Works move to 100% renewables is that they're both subsidiaries of West Farmers. And West Farmers is hardly the most progressive company. I mean, it's one of the mm -hmm. biggest conglomerates in Australia, but exactly their CEOs are not exactly the most progressive people when it comes to talking about um, climate change and climate policies and zero targets. Yet here are their subsidiaries responding, I would imagine, to a customer push for them to get ahead of the game and to go 100% renewables, but also quite possibly the economic uh, driver too, just to sort of um, save their own costs as well. So that's, um, I thought that was an interesting thing just to highlight because West Farmers, you know, were um, used to be sort of pretty heavily into coal, at least in WA, and um, yes, and, and their CEOs, yes. have, you know, they've, they, they haven't really sort of helped the conversation about climate policies and things like that in the past. So it's good to see some of their subsidiaries getting on with it. It's wonderful, and and I can tell you, I know, I know. In at least two of the three cases, it is purely about economics. They're saying that that they have um, proven to themselves that the cheapest way to get energy is off a rooftop solar system. Uh, if you've got roofs and you've got space, uh, it, you can save money and make your business more profitable. And and that's in in at least two of the three, and I suspect a third as well. Um, that yeah, is exactly yeah. what's driving. Did I tell you about the Northern Territory Senator um, Sam oh, McMahon? She's a Dr. Sam McMahon, but she's a she's a doctor in veterinary science and um, not a great expert in renewables. She, 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 is this is this a joke? Is this well, no, it like actually led to me making making a very rare appearance <laughs> on the Alice Springs um, radio. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the ABC radio. I'm not oh. even too sure now, but I was, I'd appeared on ABC radio just to sort of sort of shout down some of the nonsense that this lady senator had been sprouting, um, both in Parliament and on her Facebook posts and stuff like that. Oh, renewables is a hoax yes. and gullible and solar doesn't work and um you know yes. um, the northern territory is the worst place in the world to put solar and you can't recycle the panels and it causes blackouts in alice springs i mean the whole the whole gamut the whole thing it was quite extraordinary but um well anyway I'll look she called out the cool guardy safe. Clearly, she's her opinions and views are about that vintage because she doesn't realise that you know the majority of power in WA comes from renewables, and um, you know here we are talking about all these records and all these businesses switching over and 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 she's claiming it's a scam for the gullible. Um, well, you know, doll budgets. You know, absolutely. Well, look, cool doll bludgers, they um, doll bludgers, she called it, which is exactly the same language that Matt Canavan's been using, the former resources minister. And it's really interesting and quite heartening in a way that mm. um, the LNP, who'd been prosecuting this line, um, just sort of came completely undone in the Queensland state election. So we now have a, uh, a Labor government return for another four years, which is going to push along the renewable energy target, um, that 50% target by 2030. So that is fantastic. And we're going to see a lot more solar farms. We're going to see a lot more rooftop solar and there'll be no impediment to it. So, um, mm. so that's great. That's great. Yeah. And that is in fact, great. that's the third. That that's great. the third um, good election result. It's happened recently. Of course, we had the Ardern government in New Zealand returned with an absolute majority, and pretty interesting to note that she's actually appointed, despite the fact that she's now held a majority and won on the landslide, she's actually appointed two Greens to become ministers, including Minister for Climate Change and Biodiversity. So that'll accelerate their move towards net zero emissions. Mm. And we saw the ACT uh, Labor Greens government returned as well. So. Um, that's pretty interesting as well because there'll be there'll be a big push there 
to actually get gas um, out of buildings and homes and, and things like that and obviously just replace them with sort of solar and storage and heat pumps and what have you. So um, that's another good result. So there you go. Yeah, look, irrespective of your political persuasion, we're all about solar and, uh, well, yeah, I was going to say renewables, but actually we're all about solar on this show. It's not called Renewable Insiders, <laughs> it's called Solar Insiders. And so seeing results where where we're seeing decision makers and, and politicians, um, rather than, you know, sticking their head in the sand around solar and renewables, they're actually embracing it and getting on with it and seeing you know opening their eyes to what's happening around the country and on businesses and on rooftops and everything else um you know more good news um and like like you said earlier giles you know it'd be interesting to see what happens uh by the time our podcast comes out there'll have been an election in the us and that could change the solar and renewables industry profoundly in um the us of a so well, that, it could be, yes, be and uh, look, the, the chances are by the time this podcast comes to air in about 24 hours' time, the polls may well have closed and initial results may well have come through, but there may not yet um, at that stage be a decisive outcome because um, that could be fought over for a while and in the courts. But, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Can't say. Can't say. Can't say. <laughs> Mate, are we, um, are we moving on to the final, um, the final part of the uh, podcast and um, electric vehicles and things? Yeah, electric motorcycles. I'll just correct you there again. We don't talk about cars unless uh, you bring the topic up. Right, I'm I, all said, about I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said electric vehicles, Nigel. I said electric vehicles, and I'm motorcycles a vehicle. Okay, okay. I'll, I will not. <laughs> Very good. I'm just trying to stamp my stamp my authority on this last thirty seconds of the show. Um, in fairness, to, we mentioned. Harley Davidson's recall um, over a fairly minor issue, relatively speaking, it wasn't you know a major powertrain failure or anything like that. But did mention that last week. And in fairness to them, uh, Zero Motorcycles also announced a recall in the last couple of weeks. Uh, again, um, it, it's a fairly minor issue. It's the DC to DC converter, and for whatever reason, a bunch of 2020 uh, models, SRs, Ss, DSRs, DS, FX, and FXS um, are all affected. So it's not the new SRS or SRF. Uh, they're two flagship sort of models. Uh, it's only the older models, interesting, uh, interestingly. And um, what can happen is if you load up the um, you can put accessories on the bike, of course, you know, phone chargers and jacket warmers and glove warmers and, you know, all sorts of accessory stuff. And if you load up the DC to DC converter too hard, um, it can fail. Um, if it fails, what ends up happening is, of course, you lose all your instruments and your lights and a bunch of other ancillary stuff, but also the ABS. And um, so um, they've announced a recall. It only affects 64 bikes, unbelievably. So it's a, it's a tiny, tiny number of bikes but they're going to fix them which is great um and you know it's great to see a small company like zero behaving in the same way that harley davidson are behaving and that is if there's a problem come out address it do something about it sort it out make sure your customers are happy um so um you know that's that's, good. that's, that's good. pretty cool and i know you don't like talking about electric cars but um there's also been a recall yeah. for the hyundai kona electric um cars in australia and around the world um some issues with um, some issues Indeed. with the software when it gets sort of fully charged to 100%, which doesn't actually happen that often with an electric vehicle because most of them only get charged to 80%. 
um, uh, largely because of the chemistry of the ba battery to keep them longer. But um, when they were getting to 100%, there was some some issues had been identified. So there's a bit of rec recall to to fix those. So um, so that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, and you've got a little bit of EV history. It is interesting. Oh, look, this was just a gem, Giles, a gem. I, I, you know, a shout out to AEVA, the Australian Electric Vehicle Association, who posted this one up today. Uh, great, amazing archive footage from 1941, believe it or not. That's 80 years ago, Giles. Um, uh, uh, archive footage uh, of an electric car being driven around Adelaide. Uh, it was by, uh, built by an Adelaide-based entrepreneur called John Bowker. Uh, it could go 150 kilometres um, before it required charging. It could only do 38 k's an hour, so you weren't going to get there very fast, but you were going to have a lovely time. It was a typical 1940s-looking design, but intriguingly included regen, believe it or not, 1941. Um, there's a terrific um, little YouTube video out there if you look up uh, Bowker electric car. Um, and I also stumbled across a, a terrific interview from uh, an electrical engineering magazine um, uh, from 1942 and, um, you know, went into great detail about the, the kinds of challenges that he was facing and how he was going to get it to the market. It was three or four pages long, so it was a very, very detailed interview. So, you know, it just goes to show you that even, you know, 80-odd years down the track, um, uh, there, there were people breaking new ground uh, a long, long time and ago, and and this is this is not um, new, new. Um, you know, it's it's new in scale, and we're finally getting there. Sometimes it takes a bit longer than we arrived, but we're uh, we're actually getting there. But wonderful to see uh, the history and and the pioneers of the EV world um, uh, starting to appear on some of the socials as well. Ah, oh, there you go again. We do have to remember that the, um, the electric car was actually the first cars produced, and um, then they got sort of overtaken by petrol cars, and that was largely due to the um, distribution, and it was easier to sort of um, spread fossil fuels around the place and pumps than it was to spread electricity around the place. Look, I've actually called, called that up while you were speaking, Nigel. I'm actually looking at the photo of that car, and to, it's... I can't. I can't work out which one's the, which bit's the front and which one's the back. I suspect I know which one's the front, but um, you just think, mate, you did not do any aerodynamic qualities on that one. If you if, if it went backwards, I reckon it'd go a lot further than it would if it went forwards. <laughs> I know, I know, and there, and there are there are examples all around the world of people innovating. You know, fifty, sixty, eighty years ago around this kind of tech and loads of photos of, um, you know, Edison electric cars in New York City in the, I think that were the late 18, 1800s, maybe early 1900s. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. We're, we're going full circle. We're nearly back there. Uh, I was actually, and, and, you know, to round this out, my brother-in-law uh, is a car salesman uh, in, in uh, just north of Sydney and um, he sells conventional cars, but um, he told me a great story today about some random guy who um, he saw staring at his phone and looking a bit perturbed and lost in the car park at a shopping centre. And he said, oh, are you right, mate? Do you need a hand? And he said, no, 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 I'm just summoning my car. And he was summoning his Tesla. And he said, oh, I haven't really done it before. It's kind of cool. Watch this. And then they kind of speculated and went, what happens if we move? Let's move. Let's, let's walk 50 metres the other way and see if it'll find us. And they just 
they tried to trick this Tesla into following them around the car park. And he said he ended up wasting an hour of his day with this random guy he met in a car park, just moving around to see if the Tesla would continue to find them, which it did. Um, and of course, there are there are stories galore about the uh, autopilot um, testing that's been going on around uh, around uh, some of the beta testers around the world with people freaking out about how amazing this tech is. So yeah, uh, in the midst of uh, craziness and doom and gloom, uh, we've got records being set for renewables and uh, people in car parks self-summoning electric cars. It's pretty good, it's, it's Nigel. It does bad. make me it's wonder what happens bad. if there's two of you and you split and you go into opposite directions. Which one does the Tesla follow? Is it like your dog that sort of runs endlessly between the two of you because it can't quite decide? So it runs to one and it turns around and it runs to the other and runs back again. Is that what the Tesla's going to do? I suppose you'd have to have... <laughs> <laughs> these are the edge, these are the edge cases that engineers have to work out, mate. I mean, we we deal with this every day in our software business, and uh, yeah, there's always an edge case that you've never thought of. We haven't thanked our sponsors just, anywhere. We've, 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 been, either, we've, been, we've been too much engrossed in this conversation, Nigel. We we should thank our sponsors immediately. <laughs> Um, Solar Analytics, of course, Sunwiz, Sunwiz and um, Clenergy. Um, thank you all very much for sponsoring this podcast. Um, the contribution is very valuable. Um, and um, yeah, fantastic. All very loyal um, sponsors. So thank you very much for that. Nigel, we don't have any recorded interviews this week, but um, we'll try and get one up for ne um, next time. And um, let's see if we can get some of those guys involved with the 50th anniversary and, um, and maybe do a bit of rip. A crusty old, a crusty old solar, crusty solar old person, and um, a bit of reminiscing. That'll be that'll be good. Excellent, Nigel. It's been a yeah. pleasure once again. Thanks yeah, again indeed. to our sponsors, Solar Analytics, Sunwiz, and Clenergy. Thanks to you, Nigel, and thanks to all our listeners. And um, do give us some feedback, especially if you've been around for fifty years and you've got some good stories to tell. And uh, we'll try and include them. <laughs> I think that's a wrap for today. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.